you know, filling in the gap is um, a lot about we can control what we can control and anything else is just noise. And we've got to separate ourselves from that noise to uncover what we, the opportunity that we truly have. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your host, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, hanging out again and looking forward to an epic conversation we're going to have about leadership and all things that go along with it. That's right. We're talking to leadership expert himself, Mr. Chad Peterman, and he's going to have some great things for us to talk about how leadership can improve in your organization or you can improve as a leader in wherever you are right now. As we always do, though, before we get into that great conversation, Brian and I are going to spend a little bit of time talking about that thing for ourselves, and we are going to turn to Brian to start us off with a great quote. This is going to be a little bit longer quote today. All right. You ready? I'm ready. It's called, and maybe you've heard of it before, The Man in the Arena. I've heard of The Man in the Mirror, but uh, go on. Okay. It's not Michael Jackson. (laughs) It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms? The great devotions who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know Victory nor defeat. Teddy Roosevelt. Whew. My man, Theodore Teddy. Roosevelt. I like that. That's good. Shout out to my man, Joseph Wade, uh, a field business consultant with Authority Brands, who came and uh, spent some time at our shop here last week and put that up on the on the board before he had a little conversation with our techs. He wrote the entire thing on the board? Absolutely not. He put a slideshow up. <laughs> PowerPoint. I don't know. I don't know this technology stuff, right? PowerPoint, whatever. Slideshow. Um, yeah. I thought it was awesome. And I'm like, Theodore Roosevelt. I'm like, I know he was a president. I know a couple things about him. So I was like, let, you know, let me dig in a little bit because the quote's amazing all by itself. But I knew a couple things. Like I didn't know how much I didn't know about him, but it, but the story's amazing. And as we're in a little bit 
maybe coming out of hopefully let's say it, we're coming out of a tough year in the tr- in the uh, trades certainly toughest on the HVAC community which you know typically has it pretty good so you know okay you guys take some lashes it's fine it's fine you'll be all right uh, we're coming out of a, a little bit tougher time so we like to talk about the the struggle and and the growth and becoming better and leaner and stronger and faster and more innovative but when when it all seems glim and and gloom and dire think about <laughs> president roosevelt he was i just jotted some notes down here about his life he was pretty young when he had his only daughter, his only child, his daughter, two days after giving birth, his 22 year old wife died. Sheesh. The same night as his mother died at 48 years old in the same house of typhoid fever. Oh man. So he was left motherless and as a single father without his wife. And here I was thinking, here I was thinking it was just cool enough that he rode a male moose, but uh, so much more. That he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, he would go on to become the 33rd governor of the state of New York. And from there would become the vice president of the United States. And when President William McKinley was shot and assassinated six months later, President Teddy Roosevelt would become the youngest U.S. president in United States history and still youngest to date at 42 years old. No kidding. I did not know that. Yeah. He still hasn't been beaten there. He would go on to win the Nobel Peace Prize. And this guy was born with with like birth defects and like crippling severe asthma and just sickly in general and overcame all these things to go on to become New York governor Youngest president in U.S. history, win the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, you talk about overcoming adversity, man. Hmm. Yeah, that's not that's not the job of the fan, right there. <laughs> that's a description of the the man in the arena. I appreciate that. Yeah, the critic. You mean that's yeah. That's not the description of the critic. There, that is the uh, that's the person in there getting it done, blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. So I love the quote, but like, how much more does that quote mean? Like. I almost thought about reading a little bit, talking a little bit about Theodore Roosevelt and then reading the quote because how much more impactful is it knowing all that about him? Thanks for sharing that quote. And it's it's something about that. Like when you know that entire story, when you know, you know, even the the few facts that you shared there, you appreciate his ability to lead well so much more because he was he was not he's not like one of those, you know, puppet leaders that just got propped up or, you know, he's operating on the strings and there's the mastermind somewhere behind it. He, he has been through the fire. He has gone through many hard things. He has overcome the adversity. And in so many ways, that's what leadership is. It's coming out on the other side of that thing. And then looking back and saying, how can I, how can I help others move their way through this? Yeah. And his and, story is, is like, it's all so fascinating and what makes a fascinating story that it's super rare, you know, it's, it's super rare for a guy to overcome all the things he overcame to become someone that we know and will always remember. And most, according to what I was reading about him, most historians would rank him top five, uh, presidents, all, you know, of all the, 
U.S. presidents in history, top five in terms of effectiveness and things he got done. After going through all that, I mean, just the simple fact that your predecessor was just shot to death six months after you became the vice president, and now you're taking that seat. Like the Secret Service was actually formed and and charged by Congress to protect the president as a result of that shooting. Hmm. I mean, this guy's life, the fact that I don't know all this from a, you know, a, a Tony Scott movie or something is beyond me. Like, why why hasn't Christopher Nolan done a movie about this? <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? He's the, he's the uh, the big stick guy, right? Like uh, speak softly and carry a big stick. That's Teddy. Yeah. Am I thinking right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't need the Secret Service. <laughs> he, was, he was good as is. Well, what's funny is that the I forget what the guy's uh, role was, what his title was, but it, one of the assistants to the president was was actually afraid that McKinley was going to get assassinated or, or an attempt at least at this function that he went to, and he was so about the people like mingling with the people, he wouldn't allow his security to, to be on him. And this guy was so afraid of this happening. He, he canceled the event twice and it still ended up happening and he died there. Wow. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just crazy. That is crazy. Well, Brian, uh, great inspiration to start off our show. I'm not sure that we can uh, transition out of that one without just like... <laughs> well, well, we didn't, so don't worry about that. <laughs> you just so barreled with, right through. <laughs> without further ado, Chad Peterman. Yay! <laughs> Good luck, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put up with Teddy Roosevelt as your yeah, precursor. Goodness. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's well, kind of it's a tough one to come down from to to jump over to the review, but hey, we have order here. We have traditions, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of that tradition, Brian, it is that time of the show where we do highlight one of our most glorious wasting the day listeners, the Dub and D crew. Who do we have in the spotlight today? Francis J. Fox. Mm. That's a cool name. I personally know Kevin Burton. Yeah, there you go. Now, this is the wrong show. Okay. <laughs> that would be uh that would be my twin brother, Kevin Burton. Wait a minute. Hold on. Five stars. Yes. Okay. We're good. All right. Then. We're good. We're good. Even if he's reviewing the wrong guy. That's great. If Brian is anything like his brother and his brother says he is more, well, I'm already a rich man for befriending half of the Burton boys. Wow. Full disclosure. This podcast is coming into my life at the exact moment that I need it. I am tired of just getting by. I want to soar with the eagles, not scratch with the chickens. It's changing my attitude and outlook on the plumbing industry and what I need to do to grow. Whew. Man. Well, that one started a little like, uh, oh, we're just having a little family reunion here. <laughs> what's going on, you know? Hey, what's up, Kev? What's up, Francis? like it yeah but we we uh that was a great review man and love to hear that the podcast is having that effect on you love to hear that you know my bro and that kevin's uh still doing his thing and impacting lives the way he can because kevin's a good dude and very motivational in his own right um you know what one of these days he keeps telling me his company's not big enough but we are gonna have kevin on the show oh i can't wait for that <laughs> Nate's had the privilege of meeting Kevin a couple of times, right? 
in person. I, I sure have. He actually went to the same school that I did, ironically. Oh, that's right. Yeah, long story. But he he dipped out of Detroit and lived in Lidditz, Pennsylvania for one school year and went to, to the same school as Nate, albeit, I don't know, 15 years earlier or whatever. And uh, <laughs> 15 years. <laughs> he got I'll kicked be- out of said school. Actually, I think he beat a kid up. Uh, he was like straight from Detroit. And I think somebody was uh, testing him for being from Detroit and he beat some kid up and got kicked out and ended up moving back to Detroit. And that's how it goes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the actual story of what happened. Circle of life. Yep. <clears throat> we appreciate that review, Francis. Thank you for taking the time to spill that thing out. And uh, anybody who wants to reward the show, there's really one way you can do it, man. And we appreciate reaching out to us and shooting us a message. There's two if ways. We'll put our Venmo details in the uh, yeah, the show our notes. Venmo, our our QR code for Venmos in the uh, in the show notes now. Um, no, there are two ways. Share it. Tap somebody on the shoulder and say, "Hey, you got to check this show out." Send them an episode. Uh, the other way is write us a review. But if you don't want to do that and you just want to sit back and enjoy the ride, we appreciate you listening. We do. And uh, Mr. Fox there, you know what? The decision and the choice to to be better, you're already halfway there, man. So kudos to you. Keep it up. Well, we're going to keep it up with a change in the conversation here as we move to invite Mr. Chad Peterman to talk about leadership and sit in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Chad Peterman. He is the CEO of Peterman Brothers. Under the leadership of Chad and his brother, Tyler, Peterman has grown to a company of over 600 team members across multiple locations, serving residential HVAC, plumbing, and electrical needs of customers in central Indiana and beyond. Peterman Brothers has earned a position on the Indy Star Top Workplaces list six consecutive times. The Indianapolis Business Journal's Fast 25 in since 2019, Plumbing and Mechanical Magazine's Residential Contractor of the Year in 2019, and the Inc. 5000 list in 2019, 2021, and 22. In 2021, they were also awarded the Dealer of the Year by Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems as the top Bryant dealer in the United States. Chad's most proud of the founding of the Peterman Top Tech Academy in 2020 to train the next generation of residential HVAC, plumbing, and electrical technicians. In 2023, Chad was awarded the Entrepreneur of the Year Midwest Award by Ernst & Young. Chad was also named Top 40 Under 40 by ACHR News and has had the honor of sharing the stage with the likes of Cordia Harrington, Steve Forbes, Alan Molly, Mullally? Alan Mullally, Ken Fisher, Mullally? All right. Alan Mullally, Ken Fisher, and Dan Kennedy to share his message about how growing your people will ultimately grow your company. Chad authored two books, his most recent titled Can't Stop the Growth, How to Build a Culture that Takes Care of Your Customers. His third book will be available in 2024. We'll make sure to talk about that. And of course, he also hosts the podcast, You Can't Stop the Growth. Well, you can't stop the conversation as we invite Mr. Chad Peterman to the show. Welcome here, Chad. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Excited to uh, to be here and, and talk some shop. Thanks for coming on, Chad. We've been trying to orchestrate this for feels like a couple months now, right? Yeah, yeah, it has been uh, been a minute. I think we saw each other. What was that? Time flies. A couple months ago, maybe uh, at Tommy's event, or maybe a month and a half ago. But uh, yeah, glad we could get it uh, 
get it all arranged and uh, listen to you guys a lot. So excited to uh, to chat with you. Nice. Say that louder. I didn't hear that last part about how, how much you listen to Waste Note. <laughs> how you built your $100 million company on the advice that you heard in Waste No Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we, dude, I've had, I think I asked you if you spoke at Pantheon, right? Yeah, not this year. And it you was did. a couple years ago. I spoke there. It was, it was actually during uh, COVID, so it was 2020. Um, cause they have the, they do a very good job for all the speakers and everything. And so we had to kind of do it virtually. Um, but, uh, yeah, that I did a segment there, but it was all obviously virtual. Um, but yeah, I was, was unable to attend this year. Well, for whatever reason, man, after Pantheon, I had a slew of audience members ask me, ask me to get the Peterman brothers on. And, <laughs> uh, and then you were at like service world or something out here in Phoenix, which sucks Mm -hmm. because I just like barely missed you. Um, And then a bunch more people said, hey, man, can you get and then it was Chad Peterman. And first it was the Peterman brothers and then it became Chad Peterman. And then uh, I heard your podcast, like a fear episode you did. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're getting we're getting Chad on for sure. Good show. Yeah, Yeah, Chad's got a good talk a little bit about the show real quick, Chad. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're five years in. Um, I started the uh, started the podcast as a means just to provide value to our team. Um, and we figured, well, the majority of our team is out in a truck. Probably the easiest way to consume content is a podcast when you're driving around the city, taking care of customers. So we started it like that. And, you know, I started to get uh, like comments around town like, oh, yeah, I, I, I listened to your podcast. And I'm like, you're not even in the trades. And uh, or like, Hey, I shared your stuff with my team or whatever it was. And, um, I think at that point in time, you know, five years ago, I don't think, I mean, podcasting was big, but it wasn't nearly what it is today, I feel like. And so then I kind of like started to, you know, okay, maybe there's some, maybe there's some stuff here. And so let's bring on some guests. Let's talk some different things. And it's kind of evolved, um, over the, uh, over the years, uh, a lot of the stuff that you'll hear me talking by myself um, is a, um, a leadership class that we put on with our team. Uh, so this Friday, I'll be at our uh, main location uh, at 6 a.m. Um, and we'll talk leadership for an hour. Um, and then we just record that, put it on there, and then we've got guests and different things like that. So it's been a lot of fun. I've met a lot of great people. Um, and, uh, you know, I think hopefully provide some value to whoever's listening out there. Obviously, the majority of the content is directed to, uh, to people in the trades. Yeah, and I and I highly recommend the show. I thought it was fantastic. I think I listened to like the fear episode. I, so I like scroll down looking for, and we should probably think more about this when we name our episodes. But I was like thumbnail YouTube in it. You know, I'm scrolling through Apple Podcasts looking for a title that caught my eye, and it was like a fear one. And I was like, boom, there. And uh, they're not very long, right? Yeah, I mean, most of them, I mean, I'll talk for an hour. So by the time you edit it and everything like that, you're usually 40 minutes or so um, of content. Um, Interviews can sometimes run a little bit longer. Brian talks for three hours and we whittle it down to about 15 minutes of quality content. Yeah, (laughs) of just just me laughing at my own jokes and Nate doesn't even play the joke. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, Ethan. I think I listened to three episodes that day. So I, was like, I don't remember what I was doing, but I was just like, oh, this is good stuff. And I ended up yeah. listening to, to three of them. But yeah, it's uh, Can't Stop the Growth, right? C- CSTG? Yep, you got it. Yeah, and a lot of the content, I, I think for people that want to check it out, 
a lot of it is developed out of things that I'm seeing in our business. And so like things where, okay, we're struggling with this, we're struggling with that. Like a lot of it is themed around stuff like that. Like right now, what, as we begin- What to- revenue were you when you started? Sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to cut oh, you off. no, you're there, good. Um, so 18, we would have been hmm, uh, maybe right around 10 million. Ish ten fifteen. <laughs> so, so week you do it weekly. Uh, we try to record. We're, we release weekly. I record kind of all over the place, but um, yeah. but yeah, we release it weekly. I think it's every Tuesday. So this is a weekly play by play, and uh, you got it. Forty five yeah, minutes at just, a time of going yep, from ten million in revenue to what are you projecting? One hundred and ten this year. Yeah, it'll be about 100 and 108, it looks like, almost through December. So I guess I can say that pretty confidently. Uh, we should be about about 108 million. And this is December of 23 when we're recording this. And he has 10X'd that business in the five years. He has been uh, putting out a weekly podcast talking about the struggles that he's dealing with and overcoming those struggles. It's so like, there you uh, go. I mean, there you if go. we could whittle that down to a movie, it would be an instant blockbuster. You know what I mean? I, For everyone think- in the trades. I think all you have to do is start a podcast and obviously the growth is there. That's the only thing that he's done. He started the podcast <laughs> and 10x his revenue. Couple hours a week gets the job done, I think. Boom. Love it. Well, Chad, before we uh keep going here with the chit chat, uh I'm sure a lot of people are perhaps not familiar with you. I know a lot of people are, but uh, for those who aren't, could you give us kind of the uh, the thirty second preview, the elevator speech, if you will, of, of who you are, what you've done in the trades, how you got started, all these things? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I uh, my dad started our company back in '86. Uh, uh, he was an HVAC technician, graduated from high school, went to technical school, uh, worked for a local contractor for a few years, and decided that he was going to start his own thing. And so. I grew up, um, I was actually born three months after he started the company. Um, and so truly been around it my whole life. Um, had no desire to get into the trades, um, mainly because I couldn't fix anything. Um, I wasn't good at what dad was good at. Um, and so I figured, well, the trades aren't for me, so I'll just go do my own thing. And so I uh, went to college. Graduated from college, got a job, uh, moved, uh, our company's based out of Indianapolis, Indiana, moved to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina for a couple years, worked outside of the industry, um, called my dad in uh, the summer of 2011, said, hey, I think I'm getting a little homesick, want to come home, um, and uh, would you be interested in giving me a job? Um, his response was, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm not really sure yet, um, but I'm sure I'll figure something out. So in September, beginning of September of 2011, I started at the company with no title, uh, no job, nothing. Just there was probably about 20 people there. And I was the only one that probably couldn't fix anything. So uh, I would imagine that some of the people that are still with us today, I don't ask them what they thought of me when I first started. Uh, but uh, I can imagine they had a few like, what is this guy doing? Um, and so uh, just really started early on, just kind of learning the business, figuring things out. At the time, we were doing a lot of uh, multifamily new construction. So that was about 70%, maybe 80% of our business. And... Um, so just learned the business. My brother, who's three years younger than me, obviously the Peterman brothers, uh, he started, he's three years younger than I am, started right out of college, um, always knew that he wanted to work for dad. 
And um, so we uh, he started in 13. In 15, we decided to kind of uh, move the company in a more residential uh, model, if you will, kind of the traditional, you hear the story all the time, right? Get rid of the new construction and do all that. The one thing I will say about the new construction is it took us up until this year to get fully away from it. Um, and mainly because that was what dad did. Um, so as he was kind of phasing out of the business, he was still bidding these projects and we were still doing them. My brother ran most of them. Um, today we are outside of that one project that we finished up early in the year. We're hundred percent residential, um, on the HVAC plumbing. We added electrical a few years ago, um, which is going well. Um, you know, we've since our main headquarters is in Indianapolis. Um, we've got, let's see, uh, five other locations around central Indiana. And then we have four uh, locations outside of the state um, at this point in time. So uh, excited about, uh, we're recording this here in December of 2023. Um, excited about 2024, um, even though, uh, you know, all indications tell us it's going to be another tough year like 2023. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully, um, I'm sure we'll get into it talking about, uh, you know, strategies of, you know, just putting our head down and going to work and making the best out of, out of what we got here uh, moving into next year to see some growth and, and continue on that upward path. Here, here, buddy. Cheers. Yeah. A toast to you, my man. That's the attitude, right? That's the only you can't stop, you can't, you can't stop the growth. Can't, can't stop, stop the growth, growth, Brian. Can't stop the growth. So um, let's, let's get, I mean, 2023 has been a tough year kind of across the trades. There've been some, some winners and um, I don't know. I, I hate to even say some losers because I guess the big challenge is after 2020, 21, 22, a lot of people projected the same type of growth in 2023. Absolutely. And a few things happened in the HVAC world in particular, which is um, a lot of people didn't necessarily get the weather that they had gotten the previous couple of years. Um, also, when you're talking top line growth, we didn't have the price increases that we had the last couple of years. And those price increases drove top line revenue, not necessarily bottom line, but they certainly drove top line. Um, and when people were projecting the same kind of growth and didn't see it, well, I'm sure you're familiar with enough people in the industry to know that heads rolled across the industry. And a lot of people were removed from positions and a lot of people feel a big loss from this year. You, um, you're somebody who's, I don't, I don't know what you were projecting for the year. Did you hit the, the revenue number you were wanting to hit at the beginning of the year? Did you fall short? Yeah, we were a little bit short. I think we had budgeted like 110. Um, so we're close. Um, but I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned. I think the cool thing about this is the way that I see it is that we have all the answers for how to run a business like this. We just have to change our mindset, right? In 2020, 21, 22, you didn't have to be, you didn't have to pay attention to all the little things. It was just, there was more work flowing in the door than you knew what to do with. It was just hire people as the, you know, that's how you grow, Right. Um, you know, I remember saying it like, we just don't have enough technicians. We just got to hire more. And I think that as we got into 23, like you said, you know, we were all projecting that it was just going to go like the last three years. Why wouldn't it? You know, it's the same, same thing. Not much has changed, but you know, there's a few variables that enter into the equation. And I think 
The good thing is, is that if we're really honest with ourselves, we all know what the answer is. It's just the answer is a lot harder path than it has been the last three years um, before 2023. It's paying attention to the details, average ticket, conversion rate, doing more with what we have. It's all of those things that we all know how to do. Um, you know, I liken it to, uh, you know, it's, it's like a diet or a workout plan. You want to get in shape. You already know what to do. It's just hard to do it. Not everybody wants to do it. So um, are you going to be the company that says, you know what? This year, we're going to get back to basics. We're going to run uh, our company like we know how to do it. And we're going to have to work a little bit harder, but we can still get the same results that we've had um, back in kind of the COVID years, we'll call them. Yeah, the uh, the back to the basics have, has certainly been floating around the, the email chains and newsletters and all that yeah. type of stuff. And it, and it is good, right? Because you know, as uh, we've discussed on this show many times before, you get fat and happy and you get fat, happy and lazy. Uh, and then, you know, <laughs> you end up realizing when you look down, you're like, well, this shirt is a little bit tighter than it used to be. Uh, yep. And, uh, you know, this bottom line is a little bit tighter than it used to be as well. The gross margin isn't quite as sweet. And, you know, that's that's something that's difficult to do. Chad, one of the uh, one of the gentlemen at our office, uh, Mike Vavrick, he's been on the show a couple of times before. He frequently quotes uh, this great um rather famous quote, I'll say, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Uh, are you familiar with that quote? Not familiar, but I agree with it. Yeah. And, and you know, whose quote is that, Nate? It's listed as uh, G. Michael Hopf. I don't know if that's uh, the original creditation or not, but um, that's what I'm pulling up here. And I kind of look at that, you know, this is the cycle. I, I've seen this plenty of times on the internet, you know, like if you're a Cowboy, Dallas Cowboys fan, you know, they have like that five point cycle where, you know, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. And then uh, <laughs> Nate's then, salty, they, salty they, right now. The Cowboys they, pounded the Eagles this past weekend. Yes, yes. <laughs> they beat a couple of good teams and then they, you know, they say we're going to the playoffs and then they choke in the playoffs and then, you know, they go back to the cycle. <laughs> but in, in this particular one, I'll say the quote again because it, it is profound. Hard times create strong men, right? So it's what develops us into who we are makes us strong. Strong men create good times because when you have strong leadership, things are generally going well. Good times create weak men because it no longer forces the development of people that have come through the fire, if you will. And then weak men create hard times. Uh, I'm not quite sure if you know that necessarily uh, appropriates into where we find ourselves right now, other than the fact that we've been through some good times. I don't know if they were necessarily because we had strong men, but we've been through some good times. And I do believe that those good times, you know, the 2021 through 22, like, you know, flush run that we had there has definitely created some weak men. And, and here we are, you know, we're trying to bounce back from that and kind of get like what you're saying there, Chad, we have to get back to the basics and we have to start doing some things that are going to be hard because that's the only way we are going to become strong again. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think it's, I think it, the important part about that quote for me is that you can be all of those men, right? It's not a, well, I'm strong. It's no, you have the, uh, times could, make you weak. And, you know, if I'm completely honest with myself, I'd put myself in that category, right? I started off the year like, oh, yeah, up and to the right, we can do this. You know, we don't need to 
you know, pay attention to the little things. And I think those tough times, those, oh crap, like the calls aren't coming in. The weather's not here. What are we going to do? And everybody's sitting around kind of looking at each other, like who's going to solve this problem. And, you know, for me, unfortunately it's, it's taken probably, you know, I would have liked to have been on that, like come April or May of this year and been like, oh my God, this is, you know, going to be tough. But I think the, the blessing that we all have is that I think there's been enough talk over the last three, four months of like, hey, 2024, it ain't getting any better. So, um, you know, a lot of our budgets for next year, and I was talking with somebody about this, like we just budgeted like flat lead volume, like same leads we got this year. That's what we're going to have next year. We're not going to, you know, you're not going to be able to go find them and just let's just operate like that. If we got the same amount of leads, how do we get better? Um, we did an exercise with our sales team because sales teams, obviously, you know, Hey, we need more leads. We need more leads. We got to get into more houses, which is true, but we ran some math. And if we ran the same amount of leads, but we increased conversion rate by 5% and average ticket by 600 bucks, we'd grow by 20% next year. I think we, Mm -hmm. I think anybody would take that and it's just small incremental change, but what are we going to do to affect that conversion rate and average ticket? Well, that's where the hard work comes in. It's not just sit back and let it happen. It's you got to dig in and, and get get scrappy um, and uh, and really uh, you know pay attention to the business and, and make sure that you know how it's operating. So let's talk about paying attention to the business, Chad. You know, one thing that it certainly takes to get to 110 million is people. And 2023 was not an easy year to manage people because there's a lot of hair pulling, there's a lot of finger pointing, there's a lot of questioning, a lot of what is going on here, a lot of haven't you been watching these numbers, what's been going on. Um, And of course, there was also the unfortunate, I'm sorry, I don't have any work for you today conversation uh, that probably happened multiple times or multiple weeks or multiple months of some people's years. And that all combines to be for a very difficult people management piece and something that you've obviously flourished in in your company is developing the team. And so I want to talk about uh, all the things that go into that and start off specifically with what have been some of the key personnel challenges or people, people difficulties that you've had to deal with and overcome this year through everything that has been going on. Yeah, uh, I think it's a great question because I think it's something that everybody's dealing with. And I'll tell you, regardless of your size, we're all dealing with the same problems. All got the same things. And so uh, I may just have a few more of them, um, but we're all solving for the same thing, you know. And so for me, when it comes to kind of the the people challenges, it's it's really getting people to – while you as the leader want to dig in and you understand what that is, to me, it all boils down to communication. And are you as the leader going to control kind of the narrative of what your company believes to be true? And, you know, as we've navigated this year, um, there's, you know, it's everybody coming up with every excuse in the book. Our natural tendency as humans is to blame everything we can't control and dismiss everything that we can control. And, you know, to me, that's been one of those things which I've watched unfold. It's like, Hold on. We as a, we as a, I'm just using the sales team as an example. I'm sure my director of sales won't think that I'm pointing, pointing the finger at him. Um, he, he's, he's pretty good at, at, uh, at taking it, but, um, you know, it's, it's sales. It's, well, we need more leads. We need more leads. And it's like, well, 
where's our conversion rate at? Where's our average ticket? I go, we don't really need more leads until we close at 100%. <laughs> Whoa. When we Hold close on. at 100. <laughs> hey, hey and, it's and, Brian, and vice I, president of sales here. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got to get 100% and, you know, before I get more calls. But. Yeah. And it's not like, I get it. Okay. Yeah. That's not reality. But if we have that mindset of we're going to close every call that we walk into, then what is our presentation look like? What is our follow-up look like? What is the attention mm -hmm. to detail look like? If I know that I got to close this call, um, what do I need to do? And that really goes for everybody in the business. And so I think it's really getting everybody aligned in one, um, address the fear. You know, tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., um, I'm meeting with our HVAC service department. Why? Do I need to? Yeah, there's like four layers under me, maybe five under me before we get to the service department. But I think what we have going on and the way that we're going to attack 2024 is they need to hear the narrative from me. They need to hear that we're in a good spot. We're going to take this attitude towards 2024. And you know what? At the end of the day, I need you to put your trust in me that the changes, the modifications that we make, whatever it may be, um, I'm committed. We're going to win 2024 come hell or high water. Um, and we're going to go into it with a plan, but we all need each other. And you're in a safe place. We're going to make mistakes, but we're going to work our ass off to come out with a result that we all can. Be. And so when it comes to people as a leader, I think the key is, is just communication. It's controlling the narrative because people will make up right, wrong, or indifferent. They're going to make up the story in their head about what is actually going on. All oh, the company, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Is it, are we struggling? What's going on? All of these things, just, just control that piece by taking ownership of the results. Hey, 2023 was rough. It sucked. Like it hurt me just as much as it may have hurt you and you know, your finances and all of that. And we're all going to work together as a team to turn that tide and to, to make that head in the right direction. And I think that's, that's been the key for me and the key learning that I've taken away is that my, my presence as a leader and my ability to communicate with my team um, is paramount when times are tough um, and letting everybody know that it's okay. Here's what we're focused on and, and here's how we're going to make it through um, what may be a, a, another tough year. Yeah, the, uh, the Holton Consulting Group has a quote that says, in the absence of information, people will make it up. Right. So when there's a gap and, and we all deal with this in personal life and career life, you know, in, in just our own thoughts or whatever, when there's a gap, our mind is just drawn towards filling the gap. Like we can't live in the gap. We, we can't we can't uh, process unknown or at least our, our minds don't like it. Right. So we're constantly trying to close the gap. And what that means is we need to fill it in with information. Right. So as a leader, you're doing your part to fill the gap in with accurate, inspirational, um, you know, sincere and authentic information that is going to bring the team closer together, give them direction, give them conclusion, help them to feel like they're in a good place, safety, security, trust, all those things. Not everybody does that. And certainly not every leader does that. Not every company has leaders that are even processing through that. And so a lot of people are left with this gap space in their mind, you know, and they start filling it in with whatever the mind does. And unfortunately, after a year like 2023, the mind is generally in a more negative headspace. And so we keep plugging and playing 
into the gap things like it's never going to get better like we're, we're never going to get more leads people are always going to say no there's no way this person is going to get finance to prove you know there's there's a there's no more marketing calls left my competitors are are, are slicing their prices i'm gonna to have to slice my prices too you know and we keep filling it in and filling it in and filling and we do the same and it doesn't matter you're you're you know you're at the top level of a 110 million dollar company you have the same gap it might be a different question but you still have gaps and then you have your frontline people who are literally driving to a call right now listening to this they also have gaps it is a human nature that we try to fill that in and so i appreciate that you're saying one of your key components of managing people is to fill in that gap with that inspiration and that authentic trustworthy like i got you bro we will we will pound our way through this we will make a way and so as you contemplate that like if you could speak to the techs right now in the field who are just they've been beat down broken down you know spit out by the last 26 customers or they haven't seen a call in two weeks how would you help them fill in their gap yeah, I think the, you know, filling in the gap is um, a lot about we can control what we can control and anything else is just noise. And we've got to separate ourselves from that noise to uncover what we, the opportunity that we truly have. Um, you know, the message I leave and, uh, you know, I mentioned this, I'm not a technician. I don't know the first thing about fixing a furnace. But what I do know is that if I'm ever going to be able to get my tool bag off my truck, I've got to build a relationship with that customer and I've got to leave them totally wowed. Um, and that's what I tell anytime I leave a tech meeting, it is, hey, I have no advice for you on how to run this call, how to fix that furnace. But what I do know is if you go out with a smile on your face and your sole objective for that first call that you run is to wow that customer like they've never been wowed before, results will follow. And for me, it's getting people to understand that because there is noise. There is the 20 some odd people that told you no before, but guess what? As long as you did all that you could do and understand that there's always something more that you can do or something that you could do just a little bit better, you're going to get results. It's when we give up. It's when we say that, well, the t last 20 people told me no, so probably the 21st person is going to tell me no as well. So why do I even care? I'm just mm. going to go run this call. I'm going to get through this. And it's, no, it's going back to the truck. It's taking complete ownership of the outcome of that call, regardless, good, bad, or indifferent, however it turned out, and understanding that, you know what, that wasn't the customer's fault. That wasn't the dispatcher's fault. That wasn't the call center. That wasn't my manager. That wasn't anybody but mine. And I think that the key piece that I've always taught our team is that there's a difference between it being your fault and taking complete ownership of the result. And ownership, there's no negative to that. When we, when we admit fault, there's a lot of negative, like, ooh, I did something wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just we're always in search of how we can run it better how we can do something better. And I think that's what brings on, you know, the, um, and where you have to be careful with change management and the organization, right? We want to change and we are always changing because we want to get a little bit better. Sometimes we change and get a little bit worse. Well, we just got to course correct and get a little bit better. Um, but you're never going to develop trust or influence with your team until you take accountability for what's going on. 
Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that I would relate to technicians out there in, in the field is that the, the conditions, the economic environment, the political climate, all of these things you have no control over. What you have control over is how you show up at that call and good things will happen to those who take that mentality. Um, you may have to wait a minute. Um, and typically it's not going to happen right after you took owner. Like yeah, he said, take ownership. I took ownership and the customer kicked me out of the house. Well, that's going to happen <laughs> now. Okay. How do you rebound and do it again and do it again? Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's tough to do because that's not how we're wired. We're wired to protect ourselves. Our brain is thank God in most instances is wired to protect us. Um, but when it comes to growth and getting better, um, we have to abandon that, that protection um, piece and lean into what is uncomfortable. I loved what you said there going way back. And man, we could, that, everything you just said right there, we could break down in probably like a 10 bullet point episode and just cover every, every point individually. But starting kind of toward the beginning, you said, well, no, it's not your fault. Just take ownership of whatever it is. See, that's a, you're just like spewing great leadership in everything you said, but it started with that where there are people out there who work for people listening to this show that if they make a mistake, they're going to get bashed for it. They're going to get blamed for it. They're going to be found guilty, so to speak. And in some way they feel like they're going to be punished for it. And it, it's a great way to hold on to utter control if you're at the head of the company. It's also a great way to never see any growth, never see any real um, prosperity or, or growth both in revenue and, and size, but also in people and individuals because when everybody's afraid to make a mistake, nobody's trying anything. But under the leadership like you just talked about, and I haven't spent any time with many of your people, although our mutual friend Danny Zatterain, uh, who we actually had on this show, before he, he went to work with you, uh, he and I have had a few conversations recently and he's a, he's a big fan of yours. I know he hasn't been there that long, but he, he absolutely loves the, the leadership that you display there. It's, uh, it, it, that type of just you saying that kind of instills a sense in me of like wanting to make darn sure that that's what I'm doing in my day-to-day -day operations as general manager, like for the people that I serve and lead. Um, just to, it's like, I want to get back to the drawing board right now <laughs> and put all over the whiteboards in the office, like make your mistakes, man, grow, like break, break your bones. We'll reset them. We're good to go. We'll patch you up. We'll, we'll fix it. We'll make that money back. We'll get, we'll get a new client. Like just go try something, man. Like get out there and, and get after it and whatever mistakes are made, we can fix it. We got, we got liability insurance. No, I'm kidding. Don't fill yeah. any houses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll try not we'll to. Right? Using but yeah, I mean, right? I think I think what you said is is extremely important, and it's why I've talked to umpteen dozen business owners in this trade. And I think the one thing that a lot of people, especially people that came out of the field, the one thing that you got working against you. So if you're a former technician, you're running your own show right now. The one thing you got working against you is that you're used to being in control you know how to fix it. You know, the solution, you know, the answer, you know, you know, you could diagnose the call 
from what the CSR heard from the customer. But the number one thing and what I teach all of our leaders, especially the ones that come from the field and are now leading a department or whatever it may be, is you have to learn to give up complete control because you who used to do the work flawlessly, you can't do the work anymore because that's the only way to grow is you have to let others do the work. You got to let others make mistakes and you got to be there to pick them up, support them, be right by their side and let them be the hero. And so many managers, the one thing that I see that prevents them from continuing to move in a company is they want to be the hero in every situation. They want to have the answer and then they want to turn around and complain about, well, the techs, they just call me all day long. All I'm doing is, you know, answering questions. My phone never stops ringing. I go, the one sign that you have work to do as a manager is if your phone rings off the hook all day long because you haven't empowered your people to go make mistakes, to go make decisions, to act and to move forward. And I think that's critical, especially in the trades, because that is one thing that, you know, it's what made you a great technician, right? Is you knew how to fix things and you knew the answers. But as a leader, you can't know all the answers. You've got to be there to support your people so that they can figure those out on their own. And why would you want to? My goodness, it's it's so much work, you know? Like being the guy with all the answers, like being the person that everyone has to call. And there are people who hold on to that stuff um, at all levels of leadership. They hold on to that, like, you know, their, their golem with the ring, like my precious, you know, they they don't, it's, I don't even know that it's a control thing necessarily all the time. I, I, I have seen it myself where it's like a, well, I've seen it in myself where I had a, had a challenge delegating to newly formed operations managers under me and, and Lancaster there where I still wanted like that's where I got my sense of value from. And you start to yeah. realize that oh, yeah, you're it's not. Oh, yeah, sense of pride. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's how you're wired, right? That's how you with, win. Yeah. Right. And it's probably the same thing with fatherhood where I'm, you know, you don't want, I don't want my 15 year old son who's, maybe I should use his sister because he's the one editing this show. <laughs> but you don't, you don't want him to grow up too much, you know? You, I still want to be dad, you know? And like with the, with the ops managers, there was a, part of me that didn't want to delegate everything, like didn't want to give them all of the responsibilities of an operations manager, because where is my value going to come from? And then I realized that my value became training them and then doing what I could to assist them in their growth and development. And yeah. And you find that this stuff, the next level, super rewarding. It's just like everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, I I don't want my six-year-old to grow anymore. I'm like, let's just stay here for a while. But I've said that every year and every year, the next stage of development is a whole new gift and blessing. And you're just uh, very rewarded by where she's at now. And the same thing in business, we we really have to, I don't know, do more, talk more about, teach more. And maybe it's mentorship, you know, it's people not being mentored right to learn to delegate and let things go and let things get screwed up because they're going to. It's just got to be 80% as well as you do it for you to let it go and let the mistakes happen and let them fix their mistakes and learn from it and watch and see how much more rewarding it is than hoarding all the responsibility. So Brian Tracy, uh, we had him on a couple of weeks ago and he didn't say, he didn't say this at the time, but I was reading some of his stuff last week and this one stopped me in my tracks. 
He said, remember the biggest reason that people don't move up in their careers, according to Peter Drucker, is that they keep going back and doing what they were doing before they got promoted because they are comfortable there. They fall back into their comfort zone. I'm like, man, that that is like, that's right between the eyes, right? Because it's it's so easy. You feel successful. You you to your point, Chad, you're in control. You know what you're doing. You know all the all the ins and outs and all the tricks and all the levers to pull of the old system. And nobody ever likes doing the software upgrade because they always move buttons. Nobody likes going into the grocery store after they rearrange the aisles, right? Because it forces you to to think. It forces you to slow down. And in the moment, whether it's the grocery store or the software upgrade or your career, slowing down feels like an inconvenience. It, it feels like backward progress, like we are regressing. We are, we're not able to, to go forward like we want to. And yet the reason they do it, the reason that they rearrange the store is so that you can become aware of different products and that you see new things and new displays and new things. You know, the reason that they do the software upgrades is to offer more benefits and more, more elements and more whiz bang and more bells and whistles and, and better this and that. And the reason that so many people get promoted is because somebody saw something in you and they wanted to extract more of that to a good and better and higher place. And yet if all we ever do is try to go back to the comfort zone, try to play down, you know, <laughs> if all we ever do as chess players is we keep playing elementary school kids and we never actually try to challenge a grandmaster, our progress is self-limited by definition. And certainly it will, it will come back to, to own us. We will become masters of our regressive craft and we will unfortunately stay in a place of great success by becoming a big fish in a small pond. So when you think about your team, Chad, you know, when you see people on your team or not necessarily on your team, maybe just in your leadership journey in general, is it more frustrating to you to see somebody who is underperforming, whom you know could be doing so much better? Or is it more frustrating for you to see somebody who is like trying to do all the things and refuses to let go and, and you know, progress? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, from from my seat, um, I don't know that I would use the word frustration. It's just a, you know, I always kind of, you know, if we're going to put our money where our mouth is, it's, well, what have I done or what haven't I done to make sure that that person understands what they need to do to progress? Um, the Oftentimes what I see is people who, and, and I think you said this, uh, very well is, you know, they want to find that comfort zone where they know the answers, where they have all the, you know, um, you know, keys to what needs to be done. And, um, when they can step outside of that and be vulnerable and like, you know, like for one, one thing here, I'm perfectly transparent. One of the things that I struggle the most with is like having those tough conversations. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't want, I'm very peaceful. I don't want any, you know, I, the, that gives me, makes my skin crawl a little bit, but I know that in order to make my people better, I've got to show up as the person that they need. And so whether they're doing way too much or they're not doing enough, 
you know, it's really having that conversation of like, what, what, what do you, what, what's going on? What, what's, what is, uh, what's, what do you feel like is holding you back? And oftentimes it's, well, you know, I can't get anything done because all my technicians are calling me all the time and I've got to be there to answer them. And I, um, all of those things. And I go, well, okay, well, how, how could we, in an ideal world, what's your day look like? And it's really asking those questions to get them thinking. Cause like we said from the outset, they know what the answer is. They know how to do it. Um, and so we talk with our management team a lot on this because the one thing that we got working against us is we're in the emergency service business. So you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So if there are elements of tomorrow that you could control, how would you do that to do the things that you know that you need to get done, but you would rather be on the phone while you complain about it. You would rather your comfort zone is being on the phone with all those technicians. That's what you like. Um, it's that sense of pride, which is perfectly fine. That's how you've got to where you've gotten. But if you want to take that next step into leading a team, uh, advance in your career, you're gonna have to do a lot of things that you don't like to do. You know, I remember very vividly back in 2020, I think it was the best thing that I ever did was get out of the day-to-day operation because, there were people, my brother, um, our director of operations, Christy has been with us for, oh God, 20, I think it'll be 23 years or so. I mean, it's been a, been a long time. She's seen just about everything, but she's one of the best operators I've seen. Um, and I just had to get out of her way and let her go make mistakes, let her go figure out problems on her own. And yeah, we still talk a lot and she'll ask my opinion on things and I'll say, Hey, what are we doing here? I just want to better understand it or whatever. But I think as a leader, a lot of it is getting out of the way um, because we want to be involved in every aspect of it because, you know, Brian, as you said it, we want it done a hundred percent right all the time. And someone's got to be able to figure that. Well, no one's going to do it a hundred percent like you want it done. It's, they're going to have their own ways about it. They're going to take their own path. And guess what? In order to grow, you're going to have to get okay with that. And you have to get okay with that really quickly. Um, or else you're going to stunt the growth of your company that want to grow when you're not letting them, they're going to go find some place else that they can grow. And so for me, a big leadership kind of lesson is, um, staying in my lane. Here's where I am effective. Here's what I've been tasked to do. Even as, you know, the CEO of a company and you would think that, oh, I get to go make all these decisions. So many people call me and they're like, hey, uh, can you do this? And I'm like, no, I don't make the decision on that. That's someone completely different in a different department. And honestly, you're gonna have to convince them that to use your product, not me. Like I, I don't know enough about the operation to make a decision on we should go this way or we shouldn't. Um, so you're going to have to convince our team or that leader of that department um, in, in what it is. And to me, that is when you, you know, and we, we talked about it and is, is true empowerment is letting those people go make those mistakes uh, regardless of where they kind of fall and what they're doing now is letting them do that, but being there to support them, being there to ask those tough questions about, you know, what are you thinking? How can I help? Where can I be as of assistance? Um, what are you, you know, what are you going through right now that, you know, I could, I could help with, or, you know, shed some light on, you know, Chad, I think one of the, the most interesting parts of leadership in my journey that I've, that has at least stuck with me over the years has been 
a designed refusal to provide answers when questions come my way. And and this is this is the trap, right? Because we are conditioned as humans, we are conditioned to answer questions. Right, Chad? Yeah. <laughs> and and because go. of that because of that conditioning, when somebody asks you a question, and they, you know, you can consider it flattering, you can consider it inconvenient, you can consider it whatever you want. But our condition is to answer immediately. Hey, what should we do here? Hey, what do you think about this decision? What do you think about this product? What should we do with this account? Um, you know, what should we do with this client? All these things. And they're coming to you maybe because they think that you, you know what you're doing, maybe because they think that you'll be able to give them a, a better answer. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that every time that you instantaneously provide the answer back to them, you are hindering their ability to grow. It's one thing that has stuck with me is, and by all means, I'm not perfect at all, but one of the things that has stuck with me is instead know, of providing, buddy. thank you, Brian, instead of providing that instant answer is to pause and reframe the question back to them and say, I don't know, Chad, what do you think we should do? Have you employed that tactic in your leadership growth? Have, have you seen that work effectively through any of your teams? Yes, I would say that I still have a lot of work to do as a leader in that um, because I like to answer questions. I like to, you know, like, you know, know the business. Um, but yes, it has been a, a work in progress. And I think we try very hard. Um, we're never going to be perfect. Um, but I think to your point, I think it's, yeah, making, making people think because the reason you ask a question is because you don't want to think about it. You just want someone to tell you, man, do that, do it this way. Um, you know, in the first question I'll ask tomorrow, um, in our, in the service meeting is, all right, guys, here's the deal. You guys know this department way better than I, how do we make it better? How do we help you? Tell me, we're going to write them on the board. Give me all of the ideas and then we're going to go act on these and make um, these things happen. And I think the one thing that I've taught or I've tried to teach um, our management team is that answering some questions are really difficult. So when you do like a quarterly, we do quarterly surveys and just to get a pulse on, you know, how, how people are feeling, where are things coming up short? whatever the question is. And I told my managers, I go, you know what the great part about all this feedback is, is you don't have to find a solution to any of these problems. And they're like, what? Well, that my job. I'm the manager, right? I got to fix all these things. I go, no, 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 no. They have all the answers. They have them all. So go back into your meeting, take all the feedback that they gave you. Some of it's going to hurt. Some of it's not going to be flattering and just ask them, Hey, Someone said that I suck as a manager and I don't talk to anybody. How do I fix Who's this? Who's putting their two what weeks is our in, guys? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do we, you know, what, what, do, what do we need to do so that this isn't on the survey in three months? What do you need from me? And I'll just, right. Okay. If this is what you need from me, your team has the answers. And I think that's the cool part about leadership is when you train yourself to ask those questions they have the answer because they've already thought about it. They've been wrestling with the problem. They've already come up with a solution. And what I've found is that rather than say, well, no, I wouldn't do it like that. 
frame it as, well, in my experience, when we did that three years ago, this is what happened. So maybe something to think about as you, you know, solve that problem. Um, and so it comes off as you not giving a recommendation, but you just giving feedback in the form of, no, no, I trust you to do this. This is just what I've experienced. I've been in the business for, you know, 11, 12 years. Uh, we've tried some things like that, but you know, if you kind of tweak, here's where we, here's where kind of some of the pain points were. Um, you may want to just think about those as you, as you come up with a solution. And so I think that's important as leaders is don't be afraid to ask your people for the damn answer. Like they have it. Like I'm going to go find out a bunch of answers tomorrow just by asking. And sometimes you got to pry it out of them. I know no one wants to raise their hand and say the bad stuff, but that's exactly what I'll do. I mean, I'm going to make it easy on myself, right? I don't want to go in there with all the solutions because most of them probably aren't the solution because I'm missing the whole problem. I just heard from one technician that they were unhappy about this. Well, okay, let's fix it. Who was that technician and how do you propose that we fix it? That's so good, Chad, and, and right on, man. And, you know, I hope that's hitting some people between the eyes who are listening to this and saying like, you know, <laughs> listen, stop spending so much of your time trying to fix everything with your own ideas and listen to the ideas that are already out there. And then just go implement what they're asking for. Like, that's why they're asking for it from you, because you are allegedly the one who has the power to do that. That's good stuff. So Chad, switching directions here, another leadership challenge that I think a lot of people come across is the mom and dad scenario. So in, in, uh, specifically in larger companies who might have multiple leaders at the same level or multiple teams with team leaders and those types of things, uh, we can come across into a mom and dad scenario, or at least that's how I'll frame it. So you know, you remember as a kid, uh, you know, you wanted to, uh, you wanted to go hang out with, with Johnny and the boys. And so you asked, you asked mom and sounds mom's like, like, sounds like an oldie song or something. Johnny and the Johnny boys. Johnny and the boys. <laughs> <laughs> so you asked mom, Hey, can I do this? And she's like, absolutely not. All right, cool. So you let that rest. You're frustrated, whatever. But then you get the brilliant idea that you might ask dad. And so you mosey on over to dad and maybe you frame it a little bit differently and you say, Hey dad, you know, some guys are getting together to do this thing. Do you mind if I go? Oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Go have a great time. Right. So you leave the house and little did you know, after you left that mom and dad had a fantastic conversation about what just happened there. So to put that back in perspective, a leadership world, you know, a lot of times leaders, especially younger leaders can get caught in the crossfire of uh, differing opinions or different decisions. How have, have you seen that? And, and how have you coached uh, your teams to avoid that from happening, to prevent the, he said, she said, you know, I thought I could, whatever, or really for getting down the brass tacks, you know, to avoid the manipulation of technicians or other people in your organization who know who they should ask for what specific problems, because they've already figured out who says yes to what. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, that, that definitely, uh, has been a challenge. Um, and one that I've kind of met with, you know, I'll take it a little bit differently just because I, I kind of have an example of this, but you know, you get the, you get the person who complains about Billy, Billy's not doing his job. He doesn't know what he's doing, all of this stuff. And my response always is, well, have you talked to him? Well, no. Well, what do you, what do you mean you haven't talked to him? Well, yeah, I mean, I haven't brought it up to you. So how are, how am I going to fix 
that problem with, with Billy. Um, and oftentimes what I'll do if there's a, you know, the he said, she said thing is, all right, well, let's just all get in a room and let's hash it out. <laughs> it usually falls dead silent. Well, hold on. We're gonna have to get in a room and like talk about this. Well, but like, that's going to totally ruin what I've got going here because in any workplace, regardless of your culture, drama is something that people are naturally attracted to. That's why social media is so popular because everybody wants to, you know, hear the latest story. Or do you hear this? You know, everybody wants to be the, the one that broke the news. And I found that the best way to, to stop that uh, is to just get everybody in the same room and say, hey, here's what we got. This is what so-and-so saying. This is what you're telling me. What? Let's get down to the bottom of it. And typically, as we talked at the beginning, it comes down to communication. So-and-so heard something and they took it wrong and then they filled in their gap with some story about something or this or that and then all of a sudden it spreads like wildfire. And I think it goes back to just making sure that you as the leader, regardless of the size of your company, really work to control the narrative of what is going on and who do you go to for this particular thing. Um, you know, I think the other piece of it that it touches on is kind of chain of command. So a lot of organizations, we were the same way. It's like, oh, we don't have titles around here. You know, everybody's in it to pitch in and help and do all of that, which is it's true. And guess what? You can still have titles and you can still do that. It, it, it just, the, the titles and the org structure of like, hey, here's who you go to for these types of things. And really what that's been for us is as we've gotten larger and spread out is just making sure that communication of different things, different changes is one relate is rolled out to our leadership team. So it's rolled out to, you know, all the people that are going to be delivering the message um, to others. It's rolled out from one voice. It's rolled out as this is what we're doing. This is how we're moving. Now, the thing that we have to work on um, and that we're still struggling with is when you're pushing it down multiple layers, it's like a game of telephone, right? That message can change and the narrative can change. And one technician raises their hand and says, well, what about this? And the manager's response is, hey, I'm just, I'm just doing what I'm told. Like, talk about your all-time worst answers, dude. Like, come on. Like, stand up and say, hey, you know what? That's a great question. I'm not sure of the answer, but let me get back to um, so-and-so and find out what the answer is to that so that we're all on the same page. Super simple. You don't have to have the answers. Just Again, as a leader, your job is not to have all the answers. It's to remove the roadblocks so that your team can be successful. And a lot of times, a roadblock is just a misunderstanding or broken communication or someone thought something or they went and asked the wrong person to give, get the right answer. Um, and it's really just building a system so that everyone that is delivering any sort of news is on the same page and is very confident in saying, I don't know what the answer is. Let me go find out so that we're all on the same page. Yeah, it's challenging words there, Chad. And, you know, to, to some degree, when, when you start using the phrase, you know, if you're in any sense, sense of uh, leadership, you know, if you start using the phrase like, hey, you know, don't shoot the messenger or something like, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just the, the middle guy here. <clears throat> in, in a sense, you're abdicating 
your own leadership. Like you, you're surrendering, you know, why you have a purpose. I mean, you've literally just self-proclaimed yourself as nothing more than, than the messenger boy at this point. So <laughs> why do we really need you? I mean, an email would suffice, at, you know, if, if that's all you're here for. So it's a challenge to, to me and, and all leaders out there that like, you know, when, when you are communicating the messages that are coming down from, you know, the higher ups and, and all those types of things that you need to, if you have questions, number one, if you have questions about what the message is, or you don't agree with the message, or you have challenge points on the message before you deliver it, you go work that stuff out. Like you go back to the person who told you and say, hang on, what about this? What about this? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm on board here because if you don't, then you literally are just a messenger. Like that's all you are. And, and, and you're the worst kind of messenger. You're the one that doesn't even believe in the message that you are bringing. And so you're yeah. literally just a hollow man. What is the point there? So go work that out with them. And then when you feel confident in the answer, your delivery is no longer just providing a communication from A to B. You are now the person bringing the message yourself because you have translated and trans and transfixed it into your own mind, your own way, your own lingo, your own understanding. You've already worked through all the challenges that you can think of. And now it's almost an original message from you which is far more effective in a communication standpoint and far more sincere and authentic and will be received far more trustworthy because it sounds like it's coming from Chad now as opposed to coming from Chad's boss's boss's boss. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, what, what would be your coaching, uh, for, for, you know, I don't want to use the phrase like lower level leadership, but you know, people who have bosses, let's say they're in leadership, but they have bosses, uh, and you know they're sometimes they're they're tasked with uh, communicating you know certain things or or new initiatives or directions or those types of things. What would be your challenge and or your your encouragement that, to them to do that well? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a great question, and it's so timely too because uh, it's, we almost it's went a whole gonna... episode without the guest yeah. telling Nate it was a great question. Chad, I texted you, bro. I begged you. Not yeah. to tell Nate he had a great question. <laughs> I begged you. <laughs> I even sent you a, it's a handwritten letter. <laughs> it's a great question because I'm gonna look. I'm going to look like a better leader tomorrow um, in this meeting because I'm going through a practice session right now. Um, and to me, what I would do is I would flip it and say, if you're a frontline leadership, let's just call it a service manager, you're a plumbing manager, HVAC manager, and you receive a message from your um, boss, we'll call it. And, um, they don't allow you to ask questions or provide feedback. And they say, well, that's just the way it is. Well, that's just what we're doing. And they don't want to engage you in, you know, prior to ever doing that. One thing that we've done, which I'm really proud about, and it's, it's, we've got to get better at it. But if we're going to make a decision that's going to affect, especially, um, you know, our field professionals that are out in front of the customer, we need to bring some of them in. It's very difficult in this business to make decisions sitting in the office and trying to understand what a technician is going through out in the field. And so to me, bringing everybody in, getting all the stakeholders saying, hey, this is what we're thinking. This is why we're thinking we need to make this change. What do you think? 
And everybody has the couple of technicians that have the influence in the department and so on and so forth. And you want to get their input. Like, what do you think? How do you think the team's going to receive this? And so to me, what I would do as if I was a service manager, the one thing I would do is I would find my comp, my, my group of technicians. Everybody's got, you got 10, there's two of them um, that you know that are controlling the entire narrative of the group. And what I would do is I would pull those two in and I would say, hey, here's the message that we've been given. Give me some feedback. What, how do you think this is going to be received by the team? You're talking to them every day. What do you think? Is there, you know, is there something we're missing here that is going to, you know, kind of upset the apple cart? And we're going to create four problems when we're trying to solve one. So to me, it's getting those people there because what you need when you deliver that message is you're going to need some people that aren't hearing it for the first time that are like, oh yeah, like I feel like I'm in the, I'm in the circle here. Like, yeah, this, he already ran this by me. He took my advice. He got my input, all of this. And if you're that manager, once you get that input from the, the frontline people, then take it back to your boss and they need to be open to hearing that. You know, we just had something recently. We're going to make a change to, and it was going to affect every technician. And the feedback that we got was, hey, this has already been kind of a crappy year. Like the last thing we need to do is make this change right around the holidays and really just burst everyone's bubble. And so today in a meeting, we sat there as a leadership team. We go, do we really need to make this change? Like, what are we trying to solve here? And everyone's like, it would just be easier. We're like, well, would it be easier to do it or easier if our field professionals were extremely happy and go into the holidays with a, you know, really confident attitude moving forward into next year? Well, probably the latter. Okay, well, then let's not make this change. And so I think it's important to, one, regardless of what level you're at, is get feedback from the people you're going to deliver the damn message to. Like, again, hedge your bet. Like, do some research figure out what's going on. And I think so many people just go into the room cold and are like, Hey, here's what's going on. And then the technicians are sitting there dumbfounded. And then what's the, what's the saying? They go out to the dumpster and have another meeting after the meeting about what was said. Well, if you can send people into that meeting at the dumpster armed with, yeah, man, I think this is a good idea. Like they're going to listen to those people before they may listen to you. And I think it's about really spreading your influence as wide as you can. Um, and that's how you're going to get buy-in um, is to have people on your side. It's not your department versus you. It's you with a few people and bringing those people in. And then all of a sudden, those people feel empowered to start giving you more feedback. Hey, this is what I'm hearing out here. We need to, we need to look at something. Okay, perfect. They're your boots on the ground kind of doing this. I mean, at the end of the day, leadership is a lot like sales, right? If you knew something, if you go on a sales call and you pull up the customer's LinkedIn to understand where they went to college and what they do for a living to create some conversation and like, oh yeah, you went there. Yeah. My, my cousin went there. It's, it's all of, it's all that thing. Leadership is that is make it easy on yourself. Stop trying to make it so difficult. Like there's a lot of easy things you can do to get your message to have impact in what it is that you're trying to convey. Yeah. And there's two, that's a great, great point, Chad. And there's two, 
there are two types of leaders who would withhold that communicate or not withhold the communication, but would not um, consult with their you know team leaders, whether it be positionally or just attitude wise. Somebody who's very influential. It, there's the one leader that's just you know command and control, like what I say goes. I don't care what they think. If you don't like it, leave. I don't think a lot of those people listen to this show. And I'm not no. say, saying I'm, I'm not saying that to brag on the show. I just that type of person does not listen to a show. They don't have a lot to learn. And this is a show you would listen to if you were you were into learning. Um, so I, I don't feel the need to speak to them. But the other one is who, who would not consult with some influential texts is the person who says they know my heart and they know I would be doing this for good reasons. And that's assumed. And you can't assume that with people who don't really, really know you. And if you don't really, really know them, they don't really, really know you. And if you're the owner or a GM or a vice president or even an ops manager, service manager, even team leaders of bigger teams, you're getting a different version of that person than that who that person is typically, especially just around other techs. So you might think you know them, but you don't. They're, and they're showing you a version of themselves that really likes you all the time, no matter how they feel about you. And you, you, you can't take that for granted. You have to, you have to just go in assuming that they don't all love you this much. Maybe a little bit of it isn't just a subconscious show because the boss is here. And when the boss is here, we act a certain way. So assume they don't know your heart and go out there and tell them what you're thinking. Um, but yeah. certainly a, a super great, easy way to do it is to grab the most influential tech or two and say, here's what I'm planning. Or if it's in the, in the call center, you know, grab a couple CSRs who, you know, have the ears of everybody else and say, what effect would this have? But certainly here's why I want to do it. You know, here's why it's good for the team. It's good for the company. It's good for our future. It's good for growth. Maybe it's going to be painful to a few people or, or everybody, but here's the long-term goal and we're taking the long-term perspective here. Um, but here's what I'm looking at down the road and you, and you will win them over. People want to be in that conversation. It's a good point, Brian. I mean, just thinking about like, you know, my relationship with my wife, like I'm not sure that I know another human being or that another human being knows me better than she does. And yet we still miscommunicate, like we still misread each other's hearts. Like we, we still have, have challenges. <laughs> and if that's possible in an intimate husband and wife relationship, I mean, you think somebody at work is going to trust your heart to that level when your own spouse doesn't always get it right. You know, <laughs> it's a tough ask. I feel like most of the people at work know me, understand me way better than my wife. I don't, <laughs> I'm not tracking with this analogy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah it's so true it's just your your line of communication needs to be so wide open that you leave no room for uh people to fill in the spaces they don't know or understand because they're going to fill it in with the most negative version possible naturally not because your texts are bad people because that's what we as human beings do if we don't know yeah. our brains will fill it in with the negative well, Chad, this has been awesome, man. I love talking leadership, love talking about uh, you know the ideas of how we can get better. Um, 
we got a couple things to wrap up here. So we're bringing it in for a landing. Um, before we check out, we always like to ask the guests if people are interested in what you're talking about, they love hearing uh, all the things that you're doing. Obviously, they can find you at the Can't Stop the Growth podcast. That's easily available on at least Apple and I'm sure multiple other platforms. But if they're looking for more of a, a personal you know, chat experience, shall we say, uh, where's a good place to find you, man? Where, where will be yes. a good place to find you in February, my man? Where can we read yeah. about Chad? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, appreciate you bringing that up. So uh, I've got my, uh, I guess it's my third book uh, coming out uh, here, Ooh. Q1 of 2024. Um, it's called The Empowerment Project. Um, it's Is that a coloring we, book or? It's a coloring book, no. Child's, <laughs> I'm reading to my son. He's not an electrician, uh, no. mate, chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it, it's essentially the story of how we built what we built and how we built it on just what we've talked about today, empowering people, uh, leading um, effectively in order to grow your company. And so that'll come out, um, I hope probably February, March uh, of this coming year. Um, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to find me there, uh, you can also find resources uh, at my website, chadmpeterman.com. Um, you can go there to check out podcast episodes. Uh, we publish different resources like interview guides and how to have tough conversations and different stuff like that that we've created in our business. And then the other place um, that, uh, that you can find and come, we do tours um, at our facility uh, in Indianapolis uh, every other month in 2024. Um, so I know in January, we've got, I think, about 50 people coming in um, to tour the place. We do a full day event. Um, we do a tour and we have people from different departments come in and talk about what we do, how we do it, all of that. So it's a great time to learn. Um, and uh, yeah, if you ever need me, um, feel free to email me as well. It's just chad at petermanhvac.com. Uh, more than happy to jump on a call. Um, talk through things, figure out what, what you're struggling with and, you know, hopefully provide some advice on what we've done, what we, what you shouldn't do, uh, that we've done as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, always a resource. Our big philosophy is the more we give, um, you know, hopefully, uh, the more that we learn and I learned something from any conversation that we've had. Like I said, this whole podcast has been a great precursor. I'm going to be really good tomorrow. I know it, um, because, um, I'm ready, to, ready to go and, and ready to be, uh, the best version of, uh, you know, of, of myself tomorrow for, for our people. Well, you've been really great tonight, Chad, and we appreciate you staying up late with us. I know it's, uh, it's getting past your bedtime, so we're going to let you go here, but thank you so much for sharing. Uh, the inspiration that you have today. And there's such a call for leadership in general, but specifically in the trades. And so we greatly value you providing your expertise into that area for our listeners. Yeah, I'll say one, yeah, you're, you're part of the LSD crew, the um, Tommy, Cristiano, Ishmael, Chad, or, uh, Chris Hoffman. Yes, you, Chad Peterman, Travis Ringy, Aaron Gaynor. Did I get everybody? Tom Howard. Yep. Yeah, I think you got everybody yeah. there. And I just, I don't want to do an episode with one of you guys without bringing that up and, and how beneficial that crew is to the trades right now. It's, um, Aaron Gaynor was on talking and Travis were on recently talking about how, um, in some ways they like hope to see themselves as like the next generation of the, you know, the good rich, the, the, uh, Geiger and, and, um, 
Leland Smith and and those guys and uh, Wyatt and just like the next generation of this taking the trades to the next level. And and I love what you guys are doing and really appreciate everything you guys do and put out. Looking forward to the book, man. By all means, shoot me a text for sure when the book drops so we can promote it on here as soon as it comes out. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I really appreciate uh, what you guys do. As I said, I listen to listen to your guys' podcast, learn a ton from everyone that you have on, and, and what you guys are doing is, is definitely making an impact um, in the trades. I think it's such a cool time uh, to be in the trades with so many people sharing. I think that's the one thing is people from outside the trades that come in, that's the one they're like, well, you would tell them that? Well, yeah, why not? Like, we all can get better um, from sharing and just, uh, you know, working uh, to, to make hopefully – uh, you know, the trades, a better place to work. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of lift it up all together. So I appreciate what you guys are doing as well, for sure. Love it. Thank you, Chad. That's a wrap for this podcast. Hope that you've enjoyed your time with Chad Peterman. So good to have him on the show. And man, did he bring a lot of great value and his own version of sharing back to the community. We always appreciate that and appreciate the people who have that mindset. And that's a big part of what we do here as well on Waste No Day. We're trying to share uh, not only our own expertise, but the expertise of, uh, at this point, uh, hundreds of guests who've come on the show. And we hope that uh, Chad was a great one that you appreciated. I know that I did, and we want to hear your feedback on the episode. So drop us a note or hit Chad up and let him know that you loved his episode. I know our guests always enjoy that type of feedback as well. We're going to leave you now with our weekly challenge, which remains the same, to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day. Yeah.